Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Welcome again to Church Online. And it's great that things are maybe easing up a little bit, but we're still having to do Church Online for quite a while yet. So we're getting stuck into making this as good as possible. And we just would love to hear from you, hear how you're getting on and uh, just what's happening in your life. So please get in touch with us and let us know. But we've come today on Pentecost Sunday to worship God. We've come to read the scriptures from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4, to read about this explosive start to the church, to read about how God stepped into time, God stepped in and he changed everything. And God can step into your experience today. He can step into your circumstances and he can just change things around and so I encourage you to reach out to him in faith today and to worship him when we're worshipping together as we are going into the scriptures let's pray that he really speaks to us and reveals himself to us so let's pray just now and then we're going to worship Father we thank you for your presence in our hearts and in our families and in our homes and Lord we just pray that you would come in such a special way on Pentecost Sunday that you would meet with us that you would come and that you would accomplish things in our lives today father we pray that you'd release chains that you'd release things which have uh, held us back for years and father that we would step into a new dimension of freedom father a new dimension of a knowledge of you and father just understanding and moving in your power and so father we pray come today and meet with us we pray in jesus name we ask amen amen let's worship
we just thank you that you cause us to rise up on wings like eagles. Father, that you give us that strength. Father, just watching the, 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 the birds as they fly. Father, soaring so high in the sky. Father, just above the situations and the circumstances down below, the situations and circumstances of life. And Father, we pray that in faith, you would cause us to rise up above our circumstances. Father, to rise up above the circumstances that we all find ourselves in. And Father, cause faith to rise in our hearts. Father, may we feed our faith and starve our fear. Father, we just pray that you'd help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. And Father, we just pray that as this service continues, that our ears would be open to hear what you want to say through your spirit today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. It's great to come and to worship God. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we were supposed to have Mark Hind from Open Doors with us in the church. And Mark's a great friend uh, through Assemblies of God. And Mark pastored up in the northeast uh, before moving to work for Open Doors. And I just, we were chatting on the phone and I'd, I'd said to Mark, maybe you could just uh, bring some greetings to the church and, and just share an encouragement. And so Mark's put this uh, video together, which we're going to watch in just a little second. And I, I said to Mark, bring us an encouragement. Well, he's really brought us a challenge in this world. I don't, when you hear this, if you're anything like me, you, you will feel really challenged by the stories that Mark shares. So sit back and we're going to hand over to Mark and he's going to share with us. And then we'll be opening up our Bibles to get into Acts chapter 2. Hi friends at Whitburn Pentecostal Church, this is Mark from Open Doors. Pastor Steve has asked me if I'll just share a short update from the ministry and I want to share a short thought with you as well if that's okay. I was supposed to be with you a few Sundays ago um, but hopefully we'll get that rearranged because of course everything's had to change in this lockdown. My wife Sharon and I have had the privilege over the last few years of leading this work here in Scotland and we've met so many persecuted Christians and we've encountered so many stories that have left a massive impact and a mark upon us. And it's in this season that we've been reflecting on some lessons that we can learn from our persecuted family. And just in the short time I have with you this morning, I want to just encourage you. Uh, I read a letter recently from a pastor's wife in Syria. Actually, I say encouragement. There's a real challenge to this lesson, this story that I'm about to share. Um, but this pastor's wife in Syria, uh, she's written this honest letter that describes the challenge of their ministry and how dangerous it is for Christians in their country. And uh, she tells us that they had the opportunity to leave the country during the war, but they felt God was saying, no, stay and, and minister. And so um, she said, we, they asked God, OK, what do you want us to do? Um, sensible enough question. And she said that she thought God was going to give them some really courageous, big, significant things to do and people that were going to start knocking on their door and asking about Jesus. But instead, God said to her, are you willing to die for me? She wasn't expecting that question and she had to do some soul searching, but was able after some prayer to say, yes, Lord, I'm serious about this. I will lay my life down on the altar for the work here in Syria for you. The following day, she felt God ask her a question, a second question. And, uh, and this time he said, what about your husband? Are you willing to lay him on the altar? That was, that was a lot more difficult for her. But with some soul searching and some really honest prayer, and I'm pretty sure some tears, she was able to say, yes, Lord, I lay him down on the altar too. 
And then the ultimate question came the following night and she felt the Holy Spirit say to her, what about your children? It was, uh, that was the hardest. She said that uh, her and her husband had to both pray together. It took them a few days, but eventually they came back and knelt before God and said, God, we pray that you won't take our children away. But even if, even if the worst was to happen, we will still give our all. We lay our whole lives down on the altar. I remember being deeply moved by her letter, but there was a phrase in it that stood out from all the others. And for me, it was the answer to the question, how can you get to that place? And the phrase that she used um, was this. She said, as a family, we talk about heaven a lot. We talk about heaven a lot. And I realised that this precious sister loves heaven more than she loves earth. And she loves Jesus more than she loves life. And I believe that for us in this challenging season and in all the trials and challenges of our life, that is the secret. Like the psalmist in Psalm 73 verse 25 when he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire beside you. Just want to encourage us in this season to, to keep looking heavenwards. I realise a persecuted family have been in this place for many years and they, they lead the way, but uh, we've so much to learn from them. Uh, and it's in this season, as Pastor Steve has asked me to share this update, that, that actually they really need us too. They need our prayers, they need our strength and our support. Three really quick updates, if you'll allow me. The first one is from our team in Asia, who are telling us our partners in India and Pakistan are describing a dire situation where people are starving. Um, there is food aid available, but not for many Christians. And so the church is there and our partners are really trying to do their best to respond Please pray for the wisdom for the leaders to know where to focus their, their support. Pray for God to provide. Secondly, just we know that Christians are discriminated against. Uh, it's not new to open doors, uh, but we are hearing from so many countries that Christians have been overlooked in the distribution of food aid. Please pray that God would um, not just provide for them, but give courage to those brothers and sisters who are being told if they were to deny Jesus Christ that they would have food. Pray that God will give them strength and courage and provision. And finally, just some uh, nurses in a Central Asian country who are being, um, Christian nurses are being sent to work with the COVID patients without any PPE because they're seen as dispo disposable uh, when others are being protected. Um, if, if you want to find out more, please go check out the Open Doors website. The address is there on your screen. You'll find ways that you can pray, ways that you can stand with and support your persecuted family who really need us at this time. Uh, we've got an urgent appeal um, that you can respond to uh, if you feel like that's something in your heart that you want to do. Um, but just thank you for allowing me this time to share. Uh, I pray that God will really, really bless you going forward as a church. And I hope we can get that date in the diary soon. Take care. God bless. We just thank you for that encouraging word, Mark. Um, it just reaches deep into our hearts. And as we hear about what's happening with brothers and sisters uh, just across our world, those who are persecuted for having a faith, I, I just pray that something grips us as we listen to this, that we're stirred to pray for the persecuted church as well. Um, it's just incredible to hear these stories and to hear how people can be treated just because of their faith. And it really stirs me up. It stirs uh, us to, to really think about, you know, we really need to pray for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. 
And we're going to turn now to Acts chapter 2. And, uh, you know, th- there'll be some things that I share as we read Acts chapter 2 that maybe follow on from what Mark has been sharing with us today. Um, so get your Bibles ready, uh, open them up to Acts chapter 2, and let's get ready to read the Word of God and just to really share what, what God uh, wants to, to say to us through that. Good morning again and welcome. Just in case you missed the welcome at the start, we know what it's like with using technology. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get uh, adjusted and tuned in, but it's great to have you with us and I hope you can stay to the end of this message. The title of it is When the Day of Pentecost Came. This is Pentecost Sunday. And let's read the verses as they come up in Acts chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles if you've got one to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read uh, some verses from Acts from verse 1, when it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. What an incredible passage. All of these people, 120, gathered together in one place and as they wait on God, the Holy Spirit came and did something incredible in that gathering. The Holy Spirit came and did something new and we're going to consider that this morning. Why talk about Pentecost? Is it because it's Pentecost Sunday? Is it because it's topical? Is it because we're a Pentecostal church? Well, it could be. But the real reason that we're talking about Pentecost today is because Pentecost was a game changer. It was a game changer. And by that, we mean that something happened that day. Something new was added into the mix that changed the dynamics of the church forever. I'm not really into to football. Um, there, there are those who have been part of this church and pastored before who are into football, who are crazy about football. Um, and uh, Andrew Smith comes to mind. So if you're watching this, Andrew, you'll know the team that I'm talking about. But imagine your team's kind of struggling and you're, you're getting towards that 80 minutes in and you're really flagging and you're a goal down and you bring on a substitute and that substitute is fresh And they come in and they begin to really play in a way that the game hasn't seen so far. And they get a hold of the ball and in it goes into the back of the net. And then a second goal goes into the back of the net. You bring something new into the game and it becomes a game changer. In this case, maybe a person. Well, what we're talking about with Pentecost is the church and something new being brought into the church that was a game changer. The day of Pentecost was a game changer because it was a life changer. It changed the disciples forever. And can you imagine the church without Pentecost? Think about that for a little second, the church without Pentecost. Let's read a little bit from the the Gospel of John and it will give us a picture of what the church was like. Okay, it was before uh, they encountered Jesus But let's read it. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together (coughs) with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Here the disciples gathered together in a room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Now Jesus came and stood amongst them and he spent 40 days with these disciples, eating with them, talking with them and giving many convincing proofs that he was uh, back from the dead. But here they are, a fearful group of people and something happened on the day of Pentecost that was a game changer. The Holy Spirit came just as Jesus had promised. The, the disciples at this time that we're talking about were fearful of the Romans, fearful of the religious leaders, uh, fearful of the crowd, fearful of the future, and fearful for their very own lives. Can we identify with that? There are so many things that can cause fear in us today. Excuse me, just give me a little second. It's been quite a warm day. And I'm quite dry, so excuse me for that. Maybe even their families gathered together, we don't know. But I wonder in that group of 120, what that looked like. How many of those original, well, the, the original 11 disciples it would have been, uh, plus one that they had elected to be Judas' replacement, a man called Matthias. And here they are, they're gathered. So why did they meet? Let's think about why they met to start with. These 120 people, I think they met at Jesus' command. Let's read what it says in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. It says, and, uh, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, not an optional extra, it's a command. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift, the promise uh, sorry, the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but I in just a few days will uh, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They met at Jesus' command. It was Jesus' initiative. And this is what he goes on to say. And Luke records this for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And really it's one of the pivotal verses of the whole book of Acts. And this is what he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, they needed power in order to fulfill the mission when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it was a game changer. It turned 120 fearful followers into an explosive force. Imagine this, 120 fearful followers being changed and transformed into an explosive force. Third, secondly, it mobilized the church for mission. Jesus had given them a command to go into all the world to preach the good news and to teach people, and to baptize people, and to introduce people to this incredible message. But also, point number three is that it prepared the church for persecution. Because that's what we see in Acts. Acts covers a good number of years, but there came a time after Stephen was stoned where the church began to be persecuted. He was he was killed for, uh, for being outspoken and for saying the things that he said. 
believing his faith in Jesus to be true. And we read that testimony. It's incredible. The first Christian martyr. And after that, the church entered into a time of persecution where the church was scattered. You know, we heard Mark today talk about the plight of the persecuted Christians. And I remember hearing Eddie Lyle speak one time. Eddie is the president of Open Doors, and he was up at one of our pastor's gatherings in Perth. And this is what he said. The Bible was written by persecuted Christians for persecuted Christians. Stop to think about that. Stop to think about the characters in the Bible all the way from Genesis through to Revelation. People who are experiencing persecution for their faith. And I believe that today the church is just as much in need of the Holy Spirit, the power of Pentecost to fulfill the mission of the church in our generation. We have a mandate to take the message to the next generation and the generation after that, to every generation that surrounds us. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. Let me ask you, where is your Jerusalem? Where is your immediate area? Where is your Judea or Samaria? Just lift your eyes a little bit further and look that little bit beyond and see where God may be calling you. To go to the ends of the earth? I don't think we need to use our imaginations to know where the ends of the earth is. It's becoming a smaller place these days, I think. But God is looking for a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission that he has set the church. It's not changed. It's not a one-time thing. God is the God of generations. Think about it. Every time we read about God in the Old Testament in reference to Abraham, it's not only Abraham. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It, it comes up time and time again because God, God of all the generations, the generations that surround us today and God is there for all of us. It says uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy generations. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's not just for the generation that's coming up, it's for the older generation as well. The Spirit's power is for every single generation. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, the Holy Spirit can come into your life, fill you and empower you and give you what you need in order to be his witnesses. Let me read what it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 39. It says, this promise... Uh, find my place in my slides. Here we go. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord. It's not just for one generation, but for many generations. Not a one-time event. It was the beginning of a new season in the life of the church. And I think about Peter at Cornelius's house. Peter, when he is there, he gets this vision and he goes to Cornelius' house in response to the vision. Men come to, to knock on Peter's door and they say, you need to come and you need to visit us. And when Peter goes into that house, he begins to tell people about 
the wonders of God, about all that God has done. And as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit comes down and these people are filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and they begin to speak in other languages. This is what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 47. They have uh, received the Holy Spirit just as we have. It wasn't a one-time event for the apostles. It was something that happened again for these people in Cornelius' house. Then again, we look at Paul speaking to the believers at Ephesus. And what does it say? When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. It wasn't a one-time thing. And we're still in the season of the Holy Spirit working. Do you know, I would like to share part of my story, if that's okay. Many, many years ago, as a young man of 22 years old, I found myself in Japan working for a Japanese electronics company. I was living there, I was working there. I'd found my way into a little church. So this was early on in the year of 19, uh, let me think, 1990, I think. Um, and I was going to this little, it's like a house church. It was, it was set up as a church, but it was really a house. And we met in this small church. And I would go and I would listen to the sermons being preached in Japanese and I'd have somebody whisper in my ear the interpretation. And we would go up and have lunch after church and we'd open up these obento lunch boxes and try to eat with chopsticks and all this kind of stuff. But one day in that church, I went down as I would normally do. I grabbed the train, travelled down and I was in church and it was a visiting speaker that day. A man called Victor who stayed in London. He was visiting with us and he shared the word of God in English. It was great. I could understand it. But there was this nudge inside of me as I listened to Victor preaching, as I listened to what he was sharing. And there was this nudge inside of me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was like a voice saying, you need to get him to pray for you. And I remember when the service came to an end, I went up, maybe a little bit timid, and I said to Victor, I didn't know this man, he was a total stranger before this, I said, I really feel that God is, is saying that you need to pray for me. And so he got me sat down on a seat with my hands out, and he says, just, just sit as if you're ready to receive what God wants to, to do in your life. And as he began to pray for me, he laid his hands on me, and he began to pray for me, and something happened in me that day that I can't explain other than it sounded like what happened in the day of Pentecost. Maybe not as dramatic as that, but something happened that day that was a game changer for me. Something new was brought into the mix that day that was a game changer. It changed my life that day. I was already a Christian. I already had the Holy Spirit living within me. I already was keen to, to follow God and serve God. In fact, I, I was... Uh, at that point in time, I would have, have ran to, to be a missionary if, if the chance had opened up. So all these things were in my life, but something happened that day that was a game changer. The Holy Spirit came in and I just felt his presence just flood my whole being. I, I remember beginning to speak in another language that I'd never learned, a heavenly language. And uh, Victor's advice to me was just fantastic. It was wonderful. Uh, because I don't even know if, if he even had experienced that himself. He probably had, I don't know. But he says, when you go home, find a church where you can put this gift into practice, where you can use this gift. And we came back, I came back from Japan, and uh, in 1991, uh, we, or just the tail end of 1990, going into 91, we found this church. And, you know, the rest is history, uh, as they say. 
it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just something that happened to the 120. It happened to those in Cornelius' house. It happened to those in Ephesus. And it's happened to so many people down the centuries since. It's not a one-time thing. You see, the, see, the reality is that we get caught up in the mechanics of the thing. We look at what happened in Acts and we get caught up with, you know, how did that happen? And was it this and that and the next thing? And it, it's a bit like this picture here. Uh, this is a picture of part of my lawnmower. This is it kind of broken down into all the parts. It's a mechanical drawing. And there's a sense in which I could take my lawnmower uh, to bits. I could strip it down, put it back together again and, you know, never, ever use it. But the reality is, the dynamics of it, is that the lawnmower is about striped uh, grass on my lawn. That's what gives me pleasure. That's the dynamics. Okay, I can take care of the mechanics, but the dynamics is what it does. And, and really, to, to define dynamics, dynamics is uh, the branch of mechanics concerned with the motion of bodies under the action of... The motion of bodies under the action of forces... And that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a dynamic force, a dynamic life-giving force, the life of God that comes into us and causes us to move in certain The Holy Spirit doesn't come over and, and just kind of uh, do crazy things and, you know, well, he can do, you know. But the, the reality is that in our minds we try to pick everything apart and analyze it and say, well, this bit's for me and that bit isn't for me and all this kind of stuff. But really... It's about dynamics. It's not about picking this apart. It's not so much about how, but it's about why and what happens as a result. You know, these people who were gathered were gathered. <coughs> they were gathered with one mind and one purpose. The Greek word that says, I had that highlighted when we read it, together. The Greek word is made up of two words, uh, 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 homos and thumos, I think it is. And really, it's it's meaning with one mind. They were gathered together with one mind. Not only were they in the one place, but they were gathered together in unity with one mind and one purpose. Imagine the power of 120 people gathered, fused together in unity, and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine our church, 120 people gathered together, fused together in unity and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. A dynamic force whose purpose can be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. Makes me think of Gideon. I've been thinking about this recently, uh, over the last number of months. Thinking about the life of Gideon and how Gideon was... Uh, called to go into a mission to defeat the Midianites, this this army that kept coming and attacking uh, his people and stealing their crops and just utterly decimating everything. And God called Gideon to go and chase this army away. And Gideon eventually he got to the place where he, the Spirit came upon him. He 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 summons the men uh, from his tribe and beyond, and thirty-two thousand people gather. And God said to him, "You've got too many people." Go and say to the, the men, anybody who's fearful, just feel free to go home just now. And we read that 22,000 men went home that day. He went from 32,000 to 10,000. And then God said, you've still got too many people. He, he said, this is what you need to do. Go down to the water and get the men to drink. And those who lift up the water to their, to their mouths... Those are the ones that you have to keep and take into this battle. 
And so he took the, the, the men down and he went from not only 32,000 to 10,000, but 10,000 to 300 men. 300 men. See, Gideon went from 32,000 to 300. But the power of God was in the situation and they were able to accomplish what for them was mission impossible, but what for God was very possible. Question I want to ask is, are you up for the mission? Are you up for mission impossible? Because really, what God calls us to is impossible without him in our lives, without that strength. Do you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Do you want all the power of God living within you? I don't think we could contain all the power of God. You know, there, there's a, a certain measure of uh, filling of the Spirit that we get. Um, and I don't know that we could really contain all that God wants to do in us. Think about that though. 120 people gathered together in this room and something happened that was a game changer. In Gideon's situation, 32,000 men to 300. Do you want to be part of the 300? Would you have wanted to have been part of the 300? I don't know about you. I, I don't know what I would have done in that situation had I been one of those men. I don't know what I would have done had I been one of the people who was following Jesus and saw him being crucified. I don't know what I would have done. Peter didn't know what he was going to do. He said, I'll be there with you. I'll be there right to the end. I'll die with you. And Jesus said before the cock crows, you'll have denied me three times. And it happened. And it took Peter by surprise. And when it happened, he was like, he realized he had let the Lord down. But the, the, what's beautiful in the scriptures is that when, when Jesus reinstates Peter, he says, do you love me? And he asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah. He says, well, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, you know I do. Well, feed my sheep. And the third time he says, do you love me? And, and Peter's like, yeah, yeah. And then you can almost see the penny drop in. It's like, ah, Lord, you know I love you. Well, Peter, go and feed my sheep. And he was one of that 120 who stood up and said to the people who were gathered, you know, these men aren't drunk. It's early in the morning. This is what has happened. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he talked about how God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. It's not just a one-time thing. It's something that happens time and time and time again. And what does it say? It says that these people, they were united. They were ready. They were expectant. They were there at Jesus' command. They were waiting on the promised Holy Spirit. And then this sound, like the rushing of a mighty wind, filled the house. There was a sight of what looked like tongue, tongues of, of fire that rested on their heads. And, and Luke's trying to put this into words. He's trying to describe this scene for us. And then there's the sound and the sign of the languages, unlearned but intelligible languages. And it says that there were people gathered from all over uh, the world or that kind of central part of the world. And you can see a diagram about this. And that's us getting into mechanics. The dynamics is that these people all heard the wonders of God being preached in their own language. People who had never learned that language 
filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, began to speak out the wonders of God so that those who gathered could hear it. And then Peter, Peter who had denied Jesus, got up that day and he said, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he begins to preach to the people. He begins to launch into the mission. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 people. Why? Because Pentecost was a game changer. Pentecost took a gathering of fearful people and transformed them into a powerful force moved by the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people came to faith that day. Incredible. Think about it. And the question I want to ask you is, are you hungry? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hungry to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you have a need in your heart where you're saying, I just want the Holy Spirit to come and to meet me today? And that's what we're going to do in just a little minute, is just give the opportunity for us to come into God's presence. And we're going to sing a song, uh, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh in Me. But let me just ask you in relation to this question that's on the screen here, are you hungry? You see, the reality is that at this point in time, I could do with something to eat. Why? Because I've not eaten for a while. But if I sit down and I eat my meal and I'm, I'm, f I'm filled with my meal, that hunger goes away and I'm no longer hungry. And it's what I'm trying to say is that if you're already filled with other things, then maybe that hunger isn't there. And what we need to do is we need to empty ourselves. We need to confess and just get, get ourselves before God in prayer and say, okay, I'm just giving all this over to you. I'm giving myself over to you. I'm giving my life over to you. <coughs> Maybe you've never made that decision to become a Christian. You can do that today. You can give your life to Jesus. You can give your life to him. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Spirit today. Today you can just hold out your hands and invite the Holy Spirit to come in as you sing this song. In the same way that I did, and somebody prayed over me and laid hands on me, and I began to be filled with the Spirit and began to speak in unlearned language, and, and just something happened that day that was a game changer for me. Maybe you're satisfied. Maybe you're, maybe you're uh, satisfied with life and where you're at. I don't know that you are, but maybe, maybe you think you are. Today, can I encourage you to pray for God to give you an appetite? for God to do something new in you, for God to pour out his spirit in you so that you know the same power that those disciples knew in that day coming from in here. And as Peter, uh, as, sorry, as Jesus talked about in the book of John, it's like, a, it's like a river of living water that flows out from within us. This power of God that works in us and flows out from us. And it's a game changer. It changes our lives forever. So we're just going to bow our heads for a little second and we're going to uh, just spend some time before God and we're going to pray and we're going to sing this song. So uh, let's just take a moment uh, as we close our time today. Just as we draw our service to a close, we're going to sing this incredible song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh in Me. And really it's our response. Today it can be your response to, to what maybe God has been saying to you today. 
My, my prayer for you today is that you enter into everything that God has for you, that, that, that nothing is held back and that you just experience the fullness of God in your life. And in this moment, wherever you are at home, that you reach out to God as we sing this song and you allow this song to be a response, a prayer, and inviting the Holy Spirit to come in. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me. Fill me anew. Fill me anew. And my prayer today is, is that we begin to sing this song that the Holy Spirit descends into your living room today. Maybe you just want to hold out your hands just uh, in a, a posture of uh, being ready to receive all that God has for you today. And that you just invite him in to come in in a new way, to come into your life in a new way today. Maybe you've never made the decision to become a Christian. Then you can sing this song too. Just And just invite God into your life. It's just about agreeing with God and saying, yeah, I've, there have been things in my life which maybe haven't gone well or I've messed up. Or, you know, maybe you've had a, a good life and you think, you know, I've not done that many things that are wrong, but the reality is that we all need God in our lives. We need that Holy Spirit living in our lives. We need a Savior. Our eternal destiny depends on it, and how we live our lives on earth depends on it as well. So let's just sing this song. Sarah's going to lead us in this song, and we're just going to worship him, but we're going to invite him in. It's a prayer for our hearts today, so let's just sing it. Father, that you would fill us to overflowing. 
Father, we pray that we would be saturated with your presence today. Father, saturated with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move upon us. Father, we need you in this church. Father, we need you in this church. And Father, we just invite you to come and to meet with us. Father, we invite you to come in our homes and just meet with us today. We need you. Father, we recognize that we're not enough without you. And Father, just as we, as we sing this song again, Father, as we continue to worship you, Father, we pray that you come into this moment. Father, that you just move by your spirit, that you'd fill every heart with your spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the day of Pentecost where your spirit was poured out. Father, that day where everything changed. Father, that day where it was a game changer. Father, that day when the church was birthed. Father, that day when you prepared the church for all that would lie ahead. Father, whether it was persecution, separation, whatever it was. And Father, we pray for your church today that you would come and that you would fill your church. And Father, that you would set your church on mission. Father, that you'd prepare us for all that lies ahead of us. And Father, help us to realize that no matter what happens in life, your life within us causes us to be more than conquerors. Father, more than conquerors. And Father, we just pray that this would be a reality in our lives. Father, in every home and every, every family that's tuned in to this uh, message today, Father, we pray that you would come and that you would just presence yourself in each one. Father, in a new way, do a new thing amongst us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's great to have been together today as church. We just, I just want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for uh, the way that you give to the church and uh, continue to pour things out into the church. And I just pray that today you would experience something fresh in the Holy Spirit. I just want to say have a great week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious towards you, and just to pour out his love and to saturate you with his presence in Jesus' incredible mighty name. Amen.